0: You have had the privilege of being saved by the great Tiger. You may think this is suffering. No. It is salvation. The universal scales tip toward balance because of your sacrifice. Miles. For even in death you have children of savage. What's up, What's up, What's up? Snap survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Dust laid before their feet. Their eyes swelled as they began to weep. Half of all that once was became nothing but mere memories. Such destruction had not been seen in centuries. Anger festered from the depths within. They said to themselves, we must do whatever it takes to win for the war of infinity has not yet been won, this anguish, this misery was all caused by one. One mad titan who thought he knew best. One soul who saw himself above all the rest. The only one who could save all life, no matter the cost, no matter the strife, so now the fallen must be avenged. A team will assemble to bring forth the end. Whatever it takes for a victory to claim. For we have all now entered the endgame. This is the big one. This is the big one, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. You got here for the grand finale, which is Avengers Infinity War. Yes, we have been doing week by week an MCU watch party of all the MCU movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. So here we are, in the last entry, and we we're a few weeks early. I kind of liked that because now I get to hang out with my guys from From A to Geeks podcast, and we will be doing, I guess, what we think we think about Avengers Endgame, and there'll be quite a bit of that leading up to April 26th here in the states. Um, in fact we might as well just go out on the limb and say that most of us are going to try to get to see that movie April 25th. When uh, the pre-screening the night before generally goes down on that Thursday night, my plan is to have my butt in a seat that night. Of course, we know there is going to be a big, big push for tickets. I am trying to stay on top of when Avengers Endgame tickets go on sale. If you find out before I find out, we need to email each other. We need to make sure that we are uh, checking checking social media to keep everybody informed. If you find out first, you need to put everybody else on. Because the objective is to see this movie early and often for me. Now, this is, this is my... Uh, and I'm not going to talk too much more about Avengers Endgame. I'm very excited about the movie, as you can tell. If anybody major gets killed, I probably am not going to be able to see this movie more than once. I, I was already a mess after Infinity War's end, and I won't talk too much about that at the beginning of this episode because we still have to get through some of our, what do we call it, formalities of the show. So I won't discuss the end at the beginning. But uh, that end of Infinity War. If I didn't know Endgame was coming, I would have never gone to see Avengers: Infinity War four more times in the movies. So yeah, this is going to be a great episode. I'm so excited because everybody didn't find Avengers: Infinity War as entertaining, as just groundbreaking. The the interwe interwoven Marvel Cinematic Universe, all of these different storylines weave together to make one long-form story. Really, had not been done with superhero films until Marvel. So this is our first foray into one part of the the uh, saga. Ending the Infinity Saga is coming to an end with Avengers Endgame. So uh, a lot of us feel like for this to be the first time uh, of us experiencing something like this in cinema, this is actually great. We've been talking about it for a year. We've been excited. We are finding things to kind of theorize about, forming hypotheses. We're all in. We're having fun with it. And then there are these jerks who are trying to, like, uh, stick a pin in everybody's balloon and just watch the air come out of our tanks really, really slow. We're not going to allow that to happen, but there are those who try it. And then there are those who have legitimate questions, legitimate complaints, legitimate gripes. And that is the angle from which I'm going to cover this movie. I'm going to cover this movie by addressing some of the top gripes that I have heard about Avengers Infinity War, and we are going to hopefully answer some questions, and if not, we're going to discuss why those questions are completely invalid any damn way, right? Okay, so let's get into the facts about the movie. And here I am getting ahead of myself one more again. Uh, That piece that I read at the beginning of this episode was also written by Dr. Doom and Gloom over at From A to Geek's podcast. So, uh, boy, he did an excellent job with the writing. I I was like, I have to use this in my podcast. So he, uh, he gave me permission to use it, and I'm saying thank you quite publicly to Dr. Doom and Gloom For those wonderful words at the beginning of the podcast, that was dope. I thought it was just absolutely dope. I can't can't even put it in any other words. So thank you, James, for allowing me to use your words to bring in my podcast today. Thank you so much. All right, so let's get into Infinity War, which of course was released last year in 2018. Uh, its release date was technically April 27th but of course a lot of people saw it on the 26th myself included (laughs) which means that if we make it uh, to April 25th this year it will be a year almost exactly a year to the day so um, the directors of Infinity War are the infamous Anthony and Joe Russo The Russo Brothers. They also gave us Winter Soldier and Civil War in the MCU. The budget for Avengers Infinity War was $316 million. That's a pretty penny. And think about this. Age of Ultron cost more. That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. But okay. Okay. The budget is $316 million. The box office gave back a big old fat $2.048 billion. Boom. This movie was huge. I don't know any other way to say it. It was huge. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it got an 85%, which makes it what? That's right. It's Certified Fresh. But if you notice... Even the Rotten Tomatoes score is lower than a lot of the other MCU movies. We're gonna go into possible reasons for that. And 68% on Metacritic, which is also lower than a lot. A lot of the other MCU movies. Now, this is not saying that those are bad scores. They are shockingly, surprisingly low. And the reason why is because they're coming from critics. And critics are going to be critical. And one of the things that a lot of people complained about, there were not just the critics, was that it was a whole fucking lot going on in this movie. And it's supposed to be a movie that you can see, even if you hadn't seen any of the other MCU movies. And I agree with that. I agree that you... uh, that you can see this movie without seeing any of the other MCU movies and still get some entertainment value out of it. However, if you haven't seen all of the rest of these movies, you might possibly not be as invested in these characters. And then you're wondering why, what is the big deal? (laughs) You know, what is the big deal? And, To us who have gone on this journey from the beginning, we know that this is a huge deal that Thanos has been basically in the wings threatening for the better part of a decade. An entire decade of Thanos saying shit on the low and sending people here to do his dirty work. And finally, Thanos said, fine, I'll do it myself. And then he he did it. He did it. And big deal for us. The critics say it was just a mishmash. This is what happens when you throw too many characters into one movie and they felt like it was uh, rushed. The pacing was bad. You know, there was a lot of complaints critically. Few audience complaints as well because of those, like I said, those people who are not as invested. This is the type of movie That is for people who are truly invested in these properties to just geek out over. And hopefully you, along the way, get some people to become invested in these properties. So to me, in my opinion, Avengers Infinity War may have possibly made some new fans where people have had this past year to go back. And watch all of these movies leading up. And then get the full understanding. And then go oh. Or it has made people say. You know I don't have to watch the rest of these movies. I watched this one. I liked it. So Endgame is going to be the sequel to this one. And I'm going to watch that as well. Then the the people like us. Who just geek out. We're going to geek out. We're going to keep geeking out. And we're going into phase four geeking out. And then there are those. Who are just going to hate watch this movie. And that's fine too. You can hate watch it one time because all of it goes to the success of the movie. Even if you watch this movie one time, hate it, do nothing but put negative comments on uh, Reddit and Twitter and all of these different social media accounts. Guess what? You still want to see the movie and your voice could possibly be drowned out by All of the resounding voices that are saying that this movie, uh, this culmination event is absolutely worth seeing. So, boom. Okay, so we got the preliminaries. We don't really need to go too far into any other true-to-life fact right this second. Because we'll be getting to some facts as we explain Uh, some of the answers to these questions that were burning on some people's mind. And one of the biggest questions was why did Heimdall save the Hulk instead of Thor? So why did, why did Heimdall uh, save the Hulk instead of Thor on the Asgardian refugee ship? Heimdall, as we know, summon the dark energy to flow through him one time, open the Bifrost and send someone through, and that someone was the Incredible Hulk, basically. Uh, and this is according to a great answer that I found on Screen Rant. I could have guessed this, but Heimdall's ploy was kind of desperate. Using the dark magic risked his life. That has that is anchored in the comic books where Odin actually shortened his life anytime he used dark magic, and it also could potentially kill anyone that was transported with dark magic. So Asgard's best chance was with Thor. So Thor, he, he couldn't send Thor through the, the, the uh, Bifrost because it could potentially kill him. It was already shortening Heimdall's life by him using the dark magic. So he was already putting his life on the line before Thanos finished him off. He didn't want to send Thor through the using dark magic because he did not want to create a situation where Thor was killed by using the dark magic. He needed to send someone who was going to be strong enough to survive the trip. So he sent the Hulk because the Hulk, of course, yes, the Hulk got his ass beat. And uh, he was the only one who had the strength to endure traveling through the Bifrost using dark magic. Thus, Heimdall summoned, summoned the Bifrost and sent the Hulk to Earth in order to issue a warning. Thanos is coming that's what he needed him to say and that's what happened so hopefully that answered that question that that removes that little bit of criticism from the movie there was actually a precedent in the comics for why Heimdall would send Hulk instead of Thor and I guess uh piggybacking on that same question is how did Heimdall not see Thanos coming. Heimdall was able to see everything. He can see the entirety of the nine realms. So how did Thanos in that big ass ship get past him? Well, a possible answer, and I'm not proposing to know everything, but a possible answer is we can use as an example in what movie was it? Thor, the dark world. No, it was um, Thor, the original Thor movie where magic was used to uh, make one of the realms invisible to Heimdall. He could not see. So you've got a very powerful sorcerer, Ebony Maw, on the ship with Thanos. And Thanos is very, very well uh, acquainted with Asgardian lore. He would definitely know that they have a seer on the ship or at least within in the midst of Asgard so if they are escaping and if they have the seer on the ship they want to knock him out in, initially so he I'm sure instructed the ma to use some type of spell to render the ship invisible that makes sense it, it's fitting in things that we have seen in the MCU so it's not like jumping out of a window just to come up with a theory. And it kind of saves Heimdall because God God so much got past that man. <laughs> and I, I even I spoke about it before, but I mean, yeah. That is possibly, possibly why Heimdall was unable to see Thanos coming. And then by the time he was right on top of him, he saved the most vulnerable people from the ship, he started sending people away possibly to uh, the other nine realms, and then you saw some of the uh, escape pods leaving the statesmen, and yeah, there we have it, that's why Heimdall, A, didn't save Thor using the dark magic Bifrost, and B, could not see Thanos coming, so Hopefully that explained those two. We can knock those off the list. Okay, the next question is, where was the military when a spaceship landed in New York? The the, the military uh, has to wait to be mobilized. So the spaceship lands in New York. Uh, By the time the Pentagon and all this gets to mobilizing units, that situation had already been taken care of by the the faction of the Avengers that was in uh, that area, which goes back to Civil War, because who was there in that faction, not waiting to be mobilized? You guessed it, Tony Stark. So, these are, the Sokovia Accords went the fuck out the window when this big donut spaceship landed in New York City orbiting new york city just hanging out over new york city that sokovia accords and iron man saying we we need to have some type of supervision over us all that went out the window when that spaceship came and if tony and dr strange and wong and if they hadn't mounted that the offensive that they did Then we might have seen the U.S. military join the fray, but by that time, a lot of people would have been lost. You know, a lot of people would have been, if we would have just waited, waited for the Pentagon, waited for the U.N. to say it's okay to get in the fight, would have lost a lot of people. A lot of souls would have been lost in New York. So hopefully that explains where the military was. They're waiting to be mobilized. They're waiting on somebody to tell them what to do. Because soldiers can't just jump out and get into a fight. Which is what Cap was saying the whole damn time in Civil War. I I need to get into this fight. I don't need to be waiting for you to tell me it's okay. And just like he said in, in this movie. He was like, I'm not, uh right. He said, I'm not looking for forgiveness. And I'm way past asking for permission. So Cap knew way back then look we need to be able to fight when it's time to fight we do not need to be waiting to be mobilized or told where to go we see the threats so let us address those threats as we see them i was team cap all the way i do not believe in in uh those types of vigilante heroes needing supervision that's like Batman waiting on on uh, Commissioner Gordon to tell him where to go. That doesn't work. It doesn't. That's not the way this thing is supposed to work. I'm glad that Cap said what he said and meant what he meant, and Tony uh, said what he said, but he didn't mean what he meant <laughs> because he definitely thought he wanted to be supervised thought he needed oversight but big ass donut ship hovering over new york talking about end in the world tony did not wait for no sokovia accords our next question is why did strange allow tony to take him to titan He was so adamant about not going. Why didn't he just open a portal and go back to New York City? Very good question. Here's my crack at an answer. Okay, to get back to Earth, Tony would have to figure out a way to reprogram the the ship's autopilot to send them back to Earth which I'm sure that would not be very easy to do, seeing as this is alien technology. It may take him a little while to figure it out. Of course, he would figure it out, but how many hours would be lost while he did attempt to figure it out? Okay, so saying that he does that rather quickly, they still didn't even know how to land this ship. So now they take the ship, they get it, put it on autopilot, and they head back to New York. Now the ship is going to destroy New York or the military who was waiting on this ship to, to bring its ass back because now they've been mobilized. They begin to fire up on the ship and take it down. And no matter what, they don't know how to land the ship. Tony and Peter did a horrible job over on Titan and thank goodness that the Titan is unpopulated or a lot of people would have gotten killed as they attempted to. To land this ship. Then let's say none of that happens. Let's say they landed and everything goes off without a hitch. How long did it take from them to get from halfway to Titan. Back to earth. Land the ship. Now what? Now you got to figure out where everybody else is. And it's almost guaranteed that that's where they split up. Tony and uh, Peter Parker are going to go one way and Dr. Strange is going to go back to the Sanctum because he feels like he needs to guard the Sanctum and protect the Time Stone. They split up. None of the rest of the stuff happens. We don't don't even get the advantages that we had by just letting the ship continue its course to Titan. I think that was the best move Given the situation and given the choices, that was the best choice that could be made. Was going to Titan, and I think that once Strange thought about it, he's like, "Okay, this might be the better, the better uh, choice." But I don't give a shit what happens if something if it comes between this time stone and you and the kid. You know, I'm going to protect the time stone. So. As long as he he made that quite clear, um, he was along for the ride. And I think in hindsight that that was probably the best move to make was to go and take their ass on the Titan. Okay, the next question is, why didn't Doctor Strange know where Vision was? So he was able to find Tony Stark wherever he was. Why was he not able to locate vision because vision is artificial that is why dr strange could not locate vision he's an artificial being he's not looking for a soul or uh you know brain waves or anything like that a vision doesn't have those things for him to be able to latch upon and i am assuming that this is why he could not find Vision the same way that he found Tony. And besides that, in my personal opinion, I don't think you want two of the Infinity Stones together. So I don't think you want Doctor Strange to go find Vision. Even though he thought that's what he wanted, because he was like, who would know where Vision was? And uh Tony told him Steve might. But at the end of it all, I wouldn't want Strange to find Vision because now you got both stones in one place, making it very easy to, to, capture, to, to capture two stones at once, basically. And, and that, wouldn't make, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, doesn't make a lot of tactical sense to have both assets that you control in one place. Uh, When somebody is coming trying to get them, the best thing is to separate them and to keep them separate. So hopefully that answered that question. Let's move on to the next question. Why were the Black Order so weak? Why were they so weak in this movie when in the comics uh, they were overpowered? Well, you know what I'm about to say, right? Because that's the comics and this is a movie, right? Because the director himself, one of the directors anyway, um, let me make sure I'm quoting the correct one, Joe Russo. So Joe Russo explains uh, why the movie version of the Black Order ended up not being just weaker, but possessed entirely different powers. The Black Order in particular, we worked hard to adjust them to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In the Hickman run in the comics I thought the characters were too powerful and nobody wants the sub villain to outshine the villain so we adjusted their power sets so that they lined up in a way that was more interesting with our heroes which is why Ma is a wizard he can control things on a molecular level so what he's saying is that they changed them so that they would match up better with our existing heroes and not outshine Thanos. So uh, we had Ebony Maw matching up with Doctor Strange. We had Call Obsidian uh, battling the Hulk. We had Proxima Midnight and Corvid's Glaive. You know, they fought several different people. And uh, they did keep Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glave together because of their romantic history in the comics. They were married in the comics. So because of how upset Proxima Midnight was, was about Corvus Glaive and his injuries and why she took off from the fight once he got injured, I think that was like them showing that they had a, a deeper relationship than just being just children of Thanos they are also romantically attached so hopefully that explains because that's not something I think I think that is something that the uh, director Joe Russo explained himself when these characters are at your disposal and the entity that owns these characters gives them to you and say you can do what you want with them This is not the comics. They don't have to stay in the same wheelhouse as the comics. They can use these characters in any way they see fit to move their narrative along. And I honestly like the idea of them not being uh, so OP that they, they just cakewalk through the Avengers. Next question, please. Why is the story different than in the comics what did i just say this ain't the comics this is the movies marvel cinematic universe cinematic cinematic universe (laughs) next question The next question is, why was the Wakanda battle lacking in technology? Why was why was their defense a hand-to-hand defense? Well, that's a hell of a question because we know from Black Panther that they have these freaking rhinos that would have just ran the fuck over these space dogs, right? And we also know that they have some... Flight. They they have some uh, jets that that they could use in battle as well. So why did we not see that happen? Well, a we saw that basically a lot of time was spent trying to figure out if Shuri could do something with Vision. When it was determined that she could, the the, the next thing is oh we're gonna hold we're going to hold this attack off and give you time to, to do this. She's like, well, you're going to have to give me quite a bit of time. And they were quite sure they'd be able to do it. What they thought they were dealing with was basically a, not a, not as large an attack and as vicious an attack as they ended up dealing with. Because there was a point when Black Panther even said, How big of a, how big of an army are we expecting? And Bruce Banner said, you should be expecting quite a big army. And then he said, well, we have the Dora Milaje, the border tribe. They they called M'Baku. They only had like, say, part of Wakanda ready to fight. The Dora Milaje is always ready to fight. M'Baku loves a good fight. So he had to mobilize his guys. All of these different tribes of Wakanda had to mobilize their people, bring them to the place where the uh, stand was going to take place. Nobody wasn't expecting it to be that big, that vicious. Did you see how how freaking surprised they were that these, these beasts were, were willing to just kill themselves to get through the dome? They were like, they're killing themselves. They'd never seen anything like that. That is just vicious and soulless fighting. They did not have a clue. So, uh, possibly, uh, and, and then you see, we had War Machine and we had Falcon, and they were both, they were in the air. Towards the end of the fight, you did see some, some, some jets. Uh, aerial attack going on but by this time you know there is a lot of damage done by the children of Thanos and the Outriders lots of damage had already been done lots of I'm sure lives lost of course you know they they got through not on their own terms They didn't get to choose where they got through, but they still, they got through, you know, still Vision and Scarlet Witch was separated from Vision. So only answer to that question is that they had no clue what they were in for. They knew that it was going to be a big attack. They thought that the four tribes that they had ready to go uh, would be enough, and it was not. It was not, they needed to, they they needed far more technology out there because they are cut off from the rest of the world. So they're not even thinking that they ever need to be this prepared for a fight. They got a dome over their uh, country. They are not feeling like anything could get in without them knowing. And here we are, we got this situation where, uh, this large scale attack came for him and and they just weren't ready for it they weren't ready for it that's my best answer that's my best answer that was a tough question I'm going to the next question now (laughs) as a matter of fact I'm gonna tackle two questions two questions at once uh, one of those questions is isn't it just too convenient that Thanos had Gamora with him on Formir And the other question is, why didn't the heroes just kill Vision? Okay. And I'm going to put those two questions together because they show a huge difference between the winner and the losers in this situation. Thanos had Gamora with him because Gamora knew where the stone was. Point blank and period. He took her with him because she knew where the stone was so she led him to the stone or he was gonna kill nebula he probably would have killed her too even though he loves her to pieces he getting sick of that shit gamora lying to him (laughs) poorly he's seeing right through her because he raised her and he's torturing nebula because he he realizes that this is the that is her moral compass now because he's looked into Nebula's thoughts so he sees all the conversations that they've had and um, how they have become close since the events of guardians of the galaxy 2 so he's seeing that okay they now they're connected this is how i will get her to tell me the truth i'm just gonna damn near kill a sister in front of her so okay he takes gamora with him to vormir because why not she knows where the stone is And then they get there and find out that you need a sacrifice for the stone. to sacrifice somebody you love and one of the biggest misconceptions because I don't know if everybody had this misconception or if it was just me that you had I thought you had to sacrifice what you loved the most but in all actuality you could only you only had to sacrifice that which you love so if you if he loved anybody else he would have been able to go and conjure somebody else up and throw them off the cliff But the only person he loved is Gamora. For a soul. All my life, I dreamed of a day, a moment, when you got what you deserved. And I was always so disappointed. And it told you no. Know. You failed. And do you want to know why? Because you love nothing, no one. Uh, And he loved her from the beginning when he saw her fighting on her planet, the little bitty, the little bitty person that she was, and she's fighting against his attack. He saw that spirit in her and he admired that little bitty girl for her spirit. And then in raising her to be, be the fiercest woman in the universe, he learned to love her. And that's the only person that he learned to love, even though I think, I think he possibly loved Ebony Ma as well, because his death seemed to kind of affect him as well. But not even going to go into Ebony Ma right now. We're going to just talk about Gamora. She was there because she knew where the stone was. And then when it turns out that he needed to sacrifice the one person that he loved, uh, she was there that that does seem rather convenient but there was actually a reason for her being there she knew where the stone was the difference between Thanos who is the protagonist no matter how you look at it in this movie and the heroes who are the antagonist fighting against Thanos the difference is he was willing to sacrifice Not only was he willing to sacrifice, to make a sacrifice, not himself, but he was willing to sacrifice someone else. And it was also the person that he loved. So he was willing to make a huge, huge sacrifice. He was willing to kill for what he believed in. Whereas our heroes were willing to sacrifice themselves but they could not see themselves sacrificing someone else and that is the difference that's the difference between winning and losing the infinity war because way back in the beginning when when vision said you know you guys need to just destroy the stone in my head they should have been like oh okay and that would have ended the fight right there there would be no more there's nothing else to fight about because Thanos would have never known. He wouldn't have known how far he had to go back and to to get to the point where that stone would have been available if he would have gotten a time stone. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the difference. The difference is all of our heroes are willing to sacrifice themselves, but none of them were willing to sacrifice anyone else to save the whole universe. I feel like that is going to come back in Avengers Endgame. I feel like that may be a thread that they have to pull at a little bit. Our heroes have to get to the point where they could sacrifice something other than themselves. Crazy, right? It reminds me kind of of the debate that's been going on in the dc universe and i'm not touching it i'm not touching that right now because that's going to be addressed on a future episode but are you willing to kill and the thing is in the mcu there's been no qualms about killing uh our heroes got a body count like crazy they mean iron man body count is crazy Thor gave you his body count told you it's about 3,000 people he'd have killed because he's 1,500 years old and he's killed at least twice that many. twice as many as what he said so now we talking he got 3,000 bodies on him <laughs> Captain America got some bodies I mean we're talking uh wartime bodies and at the beginning just the just thinking of the beginning of uh was it civil war just the beginning of civil war just the beginning of age of ultron how many people got killed you know that's insane all of those bodies are on our heroes hands so they can't be innocent and then say oh we're not gonna we're not gonna trade lives you should have killed vision way back in the beginning. So I agree that this question, why why didn't they just kill Vision? Because that is the difference. The fortitude that it takes to make that sacrifice was the difference between winning and losing the Infinity War. Next question. The, The next big question that a lot of people ask, well, why didn't Strange just use the Time Stone? How do we know he didn't? how do we know that he did not use the time stuff? We don't know. We know that he used it at least once when he was uh, looking at all of the available outcomes of the uh, oncoming battle. And there were fourteen million six hundred five different outcomes. And they, he said that he only saw one that they won in, but they how, how long did he stick around? Doctor Strange could have been gone for years using the time stone. <laughs> you know, he it's not like he uh, was, those few minutes, those seconds that he was spazzing out on Titan is what they saw. But Doctor Strange could have been gone for, damn it, years. This is what makes me think that when he saw that, okay, there's one situation where i see us winning so then he sets about making sure that the things happen to make it possible for that win to occur not only that he's telling you there was no other way he's saying it i saw what i had to see some things i'm pretty sure he could control and other things he had to allow to happen organically he just allowed the time for those things to happen for instance if you already know there was no other way you have to give up this stone why did you allow this big ass fight why did you guys try to take this gauntlet off of him Why did you guys do all of this stuff? That was time killing. That was just, we need to kill some time until I'm confident that what needs to happen has happened. You get what I'm saying? So instead of just getting the the gauntlet off of his hand and then him going full Incredible Hulk and getting the mug back, Instead of because none of them wield it, there's none of them there that could wield that gauntlet, it would destroy them. Nobody could wield the gauntlet because it's got too many stones in it. Thanos would have still ended up getting the gauntlet back, and he would have still ended up getting the time stone. All those things would have still inevitably happened. Doctor Strange allowed this whole fight to go down as a diversion for what I'm sure we'll learn. I'm thinking part of it was so that Scott Lang can get trapped in the quantum realm, which is what we saw happen in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I also think that he needed Tony Stark to be alive, which is why he traded the stone for Tony's life because there's something that Tony knows or is something that Tony is going to do that is gonna make a huge difference in the next movie in Avengers Endgame also I think part it could be part Tony has the knowledge that he could make Thanos bleed so if my the theory that I'm going with is that Thanos is going to Thanos is dead that's my theory Thanos is dead he went to Titan he he won he won he went to Titan He watched the sun uh, shine on a grateful, quote unquote, grateful universe. He won. That's it. That's it. Thanos won. That's it. He was the protagonist for this movie and he won. Yay for him. And I think now Thanos is dead. He saw everything to fruition, everything that he wanted to see in his life. He saw it, now I think he's dead. I I don't have nothing to prove that except for the fact that the Russo brothers themselves said that the, the, the gauntlet was permanently damaged, as was Thanos. So, that's all I have to go on, but I truly believe Thanos is dead. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But if he's not, <laughs> if he's not dead, and there, there has to be a toe-to-toe fight again with with Thanos. Tony knows he can draw blood. Now, they threw, he said, all that, all that for a drop of blood. Thing, this man fault everybody. All these different battles that y'all did, all this stuff on this planet. Everything that has happened all throughout this movie. And we only saw a little drop of blood from Thanos. Thanos had the resolve. His skin was thick enough to make it through this fight. And he had the resolve to do whatever was necessary to, to, uh, to win. Now, but, Tony saw that drop of blood. Thanos got a damn near full gauntlet. Tony drew blood. Wouldn't that make you think that if the if the odds were a little bit more even, that you had more of a chance? Thanos is like a eternal type being. He is an eternal. He's kind of like uh, he's a titan. And titans live very long lives, and they are very strong, and they are very uh, are a strong race. And I still can't find the word I'm looking for. And I'm really looking for it but know that it, it is uh, damn near synonymous with being strong uh, fuck it I'm quit looking for the word but anyway the, the Titans are that type of race so Thanos is not going to be easy for a human being to take down one human being is not going to be able to uh, stick hang with, with Thanos you saw what happened to the Hulk you know saw what happened to a god thor so wasn't no human about to be able to just toe-to-toe stand with thanos and expect to win one-on-one but tony drew a drop of blood so if it came down to it and they had to fight again tony knows i can make him bleed If I can make him bleed, I can kill him, (laughs) you know, and Tony is the person that you will want to be armored with that information. And I'm not saying that that's why Dr. Strange did the things that he did, but that could very well be part of the reason, part of the reason. Got one more question. I think I spent a lot of time on that question. I think last question, fucking Star-Lord. Why did Star Lord attack Thanos when they almost had the gauntlet off? Fucking Star Lord. Oh, he lost the whole thing for everybody. Star Lord did what was expected of him. Let me sit this, let me sit back there for a second and let you guys resonate on that. Would you expect anything more from Star Lord? Star-Lord is not an Avenger. The Avengers have learned to work within that team, to be disciplined, to do what's necessary to not ride off of emotion, just do what they have to do as part of the team to get the job done. The Guardians are all emotional. They all, they are all emotional. You see how Nebula over-attacks when she's upset. She over-attacks. You see Drax, unplanned attacks when he's upset. He doesn't think he just attacks. There are no, there's nothing planned about his uh, battle strategy. He doesn't have a battle strategy. In fact, the only person who can kind of it seems like can kind of keep their head when they're angry is Gomorrah and she's gone she was the uh, the compass that kept everybody straight mantis her her power she's she is a powerful being her power set is absorbing other people's emotions everything about the guardians with the exception of Gamora. Everything about them is just an emotional emotional dribble. Maybe Groot is not as emotional as the rest of the team. All of their actions have been predicated on how they feel, what type of emotion they're in at that moment, and to expect Star-Lord, a human in that group, To do anything less than what he did, that's that's expecting too much from him. He is a human who has not been taught how to control his human emotions. He's, He's been unchecked for his whole life, pretty much, as far as the emotions are concerned. So when he goes into an emotional tirade he really goes into one and that's what happened in Infinity War when he found out Gamora was dead it was no longer his plan his plan went the fuck out the window now he's working off of pure emotion this is what we've seen we've seen examples of him doing it in both Guardians of the Galaxy movies why are we surprised shouldn't even be surprised what I'm more surprised about is that if this was something that should not have been happening why didn't Doctor Strange stop it that's your question why did Doctor Strange allow that attack to go down he could have sent the cloak of levitation to kind of wrap Quill up He didn't even have to do it himself so why did he allow that to go down because that's something that had to happen that was part of whatever his plan is whatever it is that was part of it you can't even be upset at quill for being quill that's what he does you know tony can be upset and uh, Spider-Man can be upset because they have no clue who Tony is. I mean, I'm sorry, who's who uh Peter Quill is. But we know we've been able to be an audience to his behavior. So what the hell are we upset about? We know that this we was when when we saw him come into the show. Did you think he was gonna be a hero all of a sudden? I mean, he is a hero. But did you think that he was going to do like the right thing all of a sudden he's good if, if it came to an emotional situation that is how he is going to approach that situation emotionally we know that my last question is on a one to five scale what would i be giving avengers infinity war and my answer is a 4.99 and hear me out. Remember we talked at the beginning of the episode, it was towards the beginning of the episode about if a person walked into this movie and was not 100% up on uh, the goings on in the MCU, how they could possibly get a little lost. Things get a little muddled for them. They might not get the same enjoyment that we got out of that movie. That is why I took the point zero zero one away from Avengers Infinity War because technically it's not a complete movie. So, like uh the Black Panther movie is a complete movie, Thor is a complete movie, Iron Man, complete movie. Those movies are complete because they're they're giving you an origin. Everybody is meeting this character at the same time, Doctor Strange. Everybody's meeting this character at the same time, pretty much. Uh, We don't know an excessive amount about these characters before their movie. And then there's movies, the the team-up movies, like uh, your Civil Wars. The big team-ups where things just really get lost and muddy. Uh, Civil War possibly Age of Ultron could lose people in definitely definitely Avengers, in Avengers Infinity War there are like 70 80 characters thrown at you and if you don't know them all then you know it's kind of like this is a lot of people to keep up with and I could understand that which is why I scored it the way I did and that is not to say that I don't see entertainment value in this movie, but that is the only reason I knocked a little something off of it. (laughs) because of people who have no clue what they're walking into, then they walk into that and they, they get lost for 15 or 20 minutes of the movie because they haven't seen all the other parts of this movie. Okay, so what about you? What do you think? What do you think of the answers that I gave to these questions? Or And would you give any different answers? Is there anything that you would say to a person posing these questions differently than what I just did? Because, you know, uh, that's a pretty tough thing. People are throwing these, these questions at you. You haven't had time to prepare an answer. Sometimes, you know, you... You have an answer formula, you have a thought formulated, but the preparation, it doesn't come out the way you want. This right here answers a lot of these people's questions. And, uh, and it also makes me realize just why I like this movie so much, because what some people consider plot holes and, and problems in the narrative can be simply explained away with logic. And speaking of logic, this has nothing to do with. But well, it has very little to do with what we're talking about right now. I am a Star Trek fan, Star Trek Discovery at that, and I've been watching a uh, Discovery. And this last episode was just so freaking weird. It was just a weird ass episode. Period. And in this episode, they're doing some type of—they're trying to lure a time-traveling being to them, and they do this by uh, going to a planet with bad atmosphere and letting letting the the uh, basically the oxygen out of the building, kind of halfway, being sacrificing the star of the show. Michael Burnham, who is played by Saniqua Martin Green, so Michael Burnham is a female character. But anyway, she is. Uh... So they're going to this this planet, and they're they're getting ready, preparing Saniqua, uh, Michael, for her, her, for basically her sacrifice, where she's going to pretty much lay her life on the line, hoping that this that this entity will save her. But the they had on these suits and they looked so similar to the uh quantum realm suits that we've been seeing uh for Avengers Endgame that we we've gotten in the in the uh last trailer that we actually got a little glimpse of everybody wearing. And I'm like, okay, so we got this time traveling thing. You got them in this freaking uh these quantum realm suits, it just really, really reeked of what people think is going to happen in Avengers Endgame, just like little glimpses of it that made me think of it, and I'm like, wow, how about that? Yeah, the story was going nowhere from the beginning, it was like, started off 100 miles per hour, it it was really going nowhere, all it was was the head on quantum realm (laughs) suits. they had on quantum realm suits and they were trying to do something with a time travel just crazy shit stuff that goes through my mind when i'm thinking which is usually (laughs) so that's it that wraps up my avengers infinity war coverage i think It's been fun. This is probably going to be the longest, one of the longest episodes I've ever done. So that is, I saved a lot of time to be able to get this, you know, make sure that I spent enough time talking about Avengers Infinity War because this is the culmination. This is what we were leading up to. This is, this is it until April 26th. And wow, wow. Okay, so we're gonna go into a couple of more things before we swing, before we leave this episode. You guys hear that Flippin' Captain Marvel is reaching a billion dollars. It is going to reach a billion dollars probably sometime next week. That is insane. I had no clue. I was thinking somewhere in the 700s to 800 millions this day is going for a billion that is nuts that is nuts I, I I'm shocked and surprised and to honestly not even one of my favorite Marvel movies it did what it was supposed to do like I said you know introduced character it it, it did what it was supposed to do but it still was not one of my favorite... Marvel movies wasn't one of my favorite origins wasn't Thor the Dark World bad but wasn't Doctor Strange good and I think Doctor Strange you guys know how I feel about Benedict Cumberbatch so that could possibly be swaying my opinion but it definitely you know it wasn't terrible and I still haven't gone to see it again even though I think I will in fact I, I, I may do it tomorrow morning. that might be something that I do earlier early tomorrow. Uh, I went to go see one of the early screenings of Shazam and I told you all that I would give you my thumbs up or thumbs down review of this of this movie and I'm telling you I'm giving it to very emphatic thumbs ups this movie I will be going back to see as soon as it comes out next week I am very 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 impressed with what was done with this character and how they pulled it off especially because so much of it is uh, child actors so much of it is Zachary Levi going from He's a, he's an adult man acting like a 14 year old kid and he is convincing, (laughs) you know, very convincing. And so this movie is that, and it's, it's, it's a family movie. You can most certainly take your children to see this movie. Your, your hero is not going to kill anybody. Boy, it was just a good movie. The, the villain is really villainous, you know, uh, Mark Strong did a great job playing uh, Thaddeus Savannah and bringing out the motivations between why he, how he turned into the type of person that he is, as they did with Billy Batson. They they definitely gave us enough of Billy's backstory to know why he. Moves the way that he moves throughout the world. What what type? Why he's the the uh, the kid that he is at fourteen years old. I think this movie is definitely and 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 I'm not gonna venture and try to guess how many dollars it'll make because you see how well I did with uh, Captain Marvel. But I am gonna say that this movie has a lot of heart and an absolute abundance of character. In, in this movie, and uh, it's very entertaining, it's good, it's very funny, it's emotionally, it's going to take you, make you run the gamut, and I'm not going to say anything else about it, two emphatic thumbs up, definitely will not be a waste of your time, energy, and money going to see this movie, I also went to go see Us this past week, and you know, it is being touted as this huge horror movie, and I'm not getting horror from it, but I'm not saying it's a bad movie. The movie has messages, and there are a lot of people who are, are not uh, finding these messages or not, the messages are not standing out to them, and I'm like, wow, because it just screamed message when it was showing you know but you know everybody is not uh, the same everybody's not gonna pick up on the same things when they're watching a movie i'm saying that this is a decent movie but it is not a horror movie it should be maybe a suspense thriller psychological thriller something like that social thriller unless people are finding it so scary because of the social commentary that it makes. Yeah, that social commentary when they're holding a mirror up to yourself, it can be pretty scary. So those are a couple of movies. Um, what's this doctor? I mean uh, Shazam will be out next week, Friday, here in the States. Us is still playing and made a shit ton of money. It's first week, I think something like 70-something million dollars, which is pretty damn good for a quote-unquote horror film. So uh, that movie is doing very well. We still have Hellboy coming out. And I don't know if I'm going to see that one. Um, Let me know what you guys think. Is that something that you guys are going to see? If you do go to see it. You're going to write a quick review. uh, Let me know whether it's a thumbs up, thumbs down. Or whether it's something I need to go see. Let me know by catching up to me on any of the social medias. And all of those will be. In the show notes, description box, whatever you want to call it this week. I've also got some feedback from a new listener named Louise. So thank you very much, Louise. She she offered some feedback for the uh, Black Panther episode. And I'll just read her email. Well, so basically, she was recommended by Dr. Doom and Gloom to listen to the black panther episode of the podcast and dr doom and gloom of course is one of our friends over at uh, from eight geeks so they continuously look out for me and send good listeners my way but she said i now heard what dr doom and gloom heard in your sensitive emotional and insightful podcast i loved black panther but now i respect it thank you and god bless and thank you, Louise, because you will not know how that made my day. <laughs> absolutely laid, made, absolutely made my day. So thank you, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know you you enjoy this episode as well of uh, After the Snap. Last but not least, we know that we need to prepare our minds for what's coming, and that is. Endgame, game and we know that it could possibly be a very very emotional and sad ride and i'm preparing my mind for all of that uh, i'm hoping that it's not as sad as i think it's going to be you know let's, let's let's just hope one can only hope it's time to avenge the fallen avenge the fallen and uh again I've got all of my social medias down below if you want to reach me. Catch up to me and make my day the way Louise did uh, with her wonderful, wonderful commentary and feedback. You can also rate and review the show on any of your favorite podcast apps or iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. However you listen to podcasts, you can rate the show there. You can also... Send me an email at afterthesnap at gmail.com. That'll make me happy too. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com afterthesnap We have different tiers, different levels of patronage, and they start at a dollar a month, go all the way up to 20 bucks a month. Or you can just continue to listen to me, be a faithful listener, and that is, is uh, support enough. If you would like to financially support the show but don't want to commit to monthly monthly contributions you can do so at after the no you can do so at paypal.me/ after the snap and that is where you could just give me a one-time donation. outside of that our next week episode is going to be the collaboration between after the snap. And from Ada Geeks, you're going to have James and Eddie right here with me. Where we'll be talking about what we think we think in Avengers Endgame uh, coming up next. And I know I've been neglecting these Tuesday episodes. Your girl was, was running on fumes for a little while. So I'm going to skip one more Tuesday episode and then we will try to get back the Tuesday episodes after the episode with uh, me and from Ada Geeks what we think we think does that make sense does that sound fair hopefully it sounds fair thing that I was going to cover for Avengers Endgame and I've got nothing else I will catch all of you on the flip oh post credit scene forgot welcome to the show Brazil if you're listening to me this week thank you for joining the after the snap family hopefully you stick around Welcome to the show to Brazil. Catch you on the flip.